All right, I want to, I don't know if you'll be able to hear this. I want to play something for you. If I don't, I don't think you'll be able to hear it, but let's find out. Is it the Simpsons song? No. Can you hear that? Yep. Uh, now I can't. There it is. Oh, so when I talk, okay, so I just need to shut up when it's on. Okay, I'll start it over then. Don't talk. You're listening to the Seventh Inning Stretch Podcast with Matt DeNicola Antonio and Asher Roth. So I figured if we were going to do this, we should probably not still have highlights from the 2015 playoffs in the theme song. <laughs> I mean, that's what I want to hear. That's That still is the team that I identify with the most. Obviously. Probably. But I figured, you know, it's been nearly five years since that happened. Um, it's probably a good idea to... Uh, to do something else, so uh, let's 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 just let's just start, man. Let's, yeah, let's, let's get it. into it. Yeah, uh, episode thirty-seven, allegedly, of the Seventh Inning Stretch podcast, with as you heard, Matthew McAntonio and Asher Roth coming to you potentially in video form. Have no idea if this is going to work. We are like the rest of the world using Zoom uh, abundantly in in the year twenty twenty. Uh, the last time I sent this to you, fifteen months ago, was the last time we did. Uh, an episode April of 2019 right before Vlad made his MLB debut so um we've got a lot to to catch up on Asher a great deal like you know a a few really large life things have happened uh, to to say the least to I'd say both of us um and uh yeah I mean it's it's incredible just how much has changed with with us with the Blue Jays not only over the past five years but over the past you know 15 months four months i mean it's it's been yeah it's been incredible how much i I think change is the theme among many other words to describe uh 2020 but uh yeah i I would have to say certainly this this will be the episode of change in many ways yeah um so let's talk about some things that will be different one of which is that uh we both have the game. Oh, Devers dropped it. Uh, we both have the, it's, uh, I should mention, it's Tuesday evening, uh, July 21st, a little after 8.30. Uh, Asher and I both have the uh, Jays exhibition game against the Red Sox on in the corner here. So if we uh, occasionally are distracted, that's exactly why. Um, one of the things that's different this year among the hundreds, as you mentioned, is that uh, for the first time ever, the Toronto Blue Jays not play baseball games in Toronto or anywhere else in Canada for that matter. Uh, being barred by the federal government, the uh, they are not backing the blue Jays. Um, sorry. Uh, so the Jays have to find somewhere else to make their nest this year. Um, first off, your thoughts and reactions about the decision from the federal government? Um, I would have to say that it was certainly in line with what I was hoping would happen. Now, you know, I'd like to preface this the same way that, you know, everybody likes to preface 
their their discussions when it comes to this pandemic and and everything that has to do with it. But of course, I'm not a doctor nor any sort of medical technician, uh, technician, nurse, doctor. Although I am married to a nurse, so I mean that that is relevant. So. You're an expert by proxy. Yes, exactly. But no, I just I really did not feel good in any way at all about. Uh, Major League Baseball's plan. I mean, really, I I was apprehensive about restarting sports in the first place in any form, given what's going on south of the border. And this was a few months ago when things weren't even that as bad. I mean, they were bad, but they weren't what they are they now. On the uprise again. Uh, no, and, and it's like you know, there's still skepticism about the so-called bubble uh, that the NBA and MLS are doing when they're in the biggest wow. hotbed of COVID in the entire world mm-hmm. right now, I, I think is not an exaggeration to say, mm-hmm. um, you know, NHL, they've chosen two cities, whether that's good news that it's in Toronto at the very least, you have the ability to keep these people where they are for two weeks, whether or not they will, you hope they will. But major league baseball's plan of just having all 30 teams perpetually traveling every two to three days when I mean, there are so many people that would love the ability to travel for, you know, what mm-hmm. haven't been declared essential reasons uh, by the by the federal government or by all the governments. And so, you know, while we love baseball, uh, I don't see that as you know qualifying as essential. Now, I've I've seen the argument that it's a political move by the Trudeau government. You know, maybe it is. Here, you've got a guest there in the background. Yeah, the uh, problem is the door is closed, and God forbid he not have access to to one room in the house. There he is, course. peeking his head in. Of course. Uh, yeah, sorry. Oliver making no, an appearance. I don't think this is the first time Oliver's made it. No, uh, and I hope, podcast. I hope it's not the last. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, continue. No, he, doesn't, he doesn't like uh, talking. He doesn't like closed one. doors. Or, or like... yeah, criticism of the Trudeau government, I guess. Are you a No, no, he's a, he's a big a liberal. cat? <laughs> <laughs> I like that word much better than the other word that gets tossed around. Yeah. But, uh, but no, uh, I, I do think it was the right move. Whether or not it was political, I mean, you could argue that everything that any government does, in a sense, is political. But I think when it comes to the safety of Canadians, it seems like it's the safest thing to do to avoid, you know, teams of 25, 30 guys traveling every two to three days in and out of the country it just doesn't seem like a great idea to me. Yeah, uh, on that sense, I, I agree. And it's a, I don't know, my feelings have gone, have swung around. I wouldn't even say back and forth because that implies that there's only two options or two <laughs> sides. It's kind of whirled around like a tetherball pole. Um, it's very nuanced, obviously. Um, from an optic standpoint, I, I would have liked to see them play in Toronto. You know, you can criticize the Domo you want, but watching that stadium on TV, I think is. Uh, you know, especially when the dome's open, the sun's shining on the bright blue seats. I, you know, just it looks good. Um, there are, yes, yeah, you have opinions too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know if this should be championed so much as a proud Canadian moment as, as some people are making it out to be and, and applauding the government for, you know, holding firm. Um, considering when you, you dig in a little bit and the border is not as closed as many people are led to believe by the sounds of it. Article in Toronto Star last week indicating that there were up to 15 flights that arrived in Toronto, uh, or might have been in Canada, I believe it's Toronto specific, 
that had what turned out to be confirmed COVID cases on it. And they're coming from European countries, from the States, from Ethiopia, I think I read, from the United Arab Emirates. Uh, and it's kind of like, I thought nobody was allowed in. So where, where are these people coming from? Why are they allowed in? Why are they not necessarily having to quarantine? And one of the criticisms that I uh, read was that the MLB was denied because it would be too much of a public flaunting of you know breaking those rules or protocols when in fact they're happening a lot more often than we realize and the Canadian government just didn't want that to be shown on a nightly basis that there were all these people coming in and out of the country so um, I think it is probably the right decision and in the context of that I think it should be more so us looking at how do we seal up those other cracks versus how do we what versus why isn't MLB allowed to be one of the cracks? Yeah, exactly. So I think on that sense, they did make the right decision, but I think I would like to see them make more good decisions that are maybe not as public as denying MLB entry. Yeah, like it kind of makes me think back to, you know, a few years ago when, you know, Uber and Lyft, which it, it seems like so long ago, but, you know, Uber and Lyft wasn't a thing probably 10 years ago, if, if we think about it, really. Yeah. And uh, I remember when they first came into Toronto and the, the taxi cab companies were, you know, and the unions and whatnot were complaining that they didn't have to adhere to the same strict guidelines, the requirement mm -hmm. to have winter tires, the, you know, to have... Uh, you know, a, a proper safety system that, that, you know, protected customers. And I found, uh, I believe, if, if we look back to what the city of Toronto decided to do, instead of raising the bar for, for Uber and Lyft to follow, they actually lowered the bar for taxi cab companies. So I don't feel like, you know, it, it's like you said, you know, both things can be true, that it's the right move to not allow 29 or however many teams in a 60 game schedule will be traveling in and out of Toronto, including the blue Jays. Um, just as, I mean, these 15 planes or whatever, I mean, there's a lot of questions there. I, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't make any logical sense to me. And it, it's something I think we'd have to dig into on an individual basis, but that is perplexing and something that definitely needs to be changed in addition to potentially not letting baseball teams. And having said that, um, you know, the fact that the team or the, the Sky Dome, the Rogers Center, whatever we want to call it, does actually have a hotel uh, right built into the stadium probably is an advantage that the Blue Jays, I mean, I don't know the conditions of the 29 other teams around baseball in their stadiums, but I'm guessing not a lot of them have a mm -hmm. hotel attached to the stadium. So, I mean, that potentially, while there is a risk of bringing these people into Pearson Airport and their exposure to people at Pearson Airport, I'm sure at the point, if they were let in, you would think or hope that they would take the proper precautions. Um, it's and making then, a lot of assumptions of, of exactly. you know, athletes who are used to being able to do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, you know, the protocols, you'd think, you know, land at a private terminal directly on the bus to the hotel. Um, it's just kind of like what would happen in those hours between waking up and having to go to the game kind of thing or if it's an afternoon game i know they're only doing afternoon games on or they had only scheduled afternoon games on sundays when teams would be leaving anyway but what happens in those hours after the game before you go back to the hotel how much could you police um, especially the visiting players who may only be here one time this year and they're saying hey it's only two nights that we have to try and get away with this let's try and get away with it um or you know the fine is um what was seven hundred and fifty dollars or something like that, or it might have been even more than that for the for the athletes. But 
it's a drop in the bucket for a lot of these guys and they might just say, screw it, we're gonna, we're gonna do it anyway. Um, so again, I think it's maybe just more so the, the public aspect of, of a potential sort of PR nightmare if things had gone in the worst case scenario. So uh, we know that they're not gonna be here. They're not gonna be in Canada, they're not gonna be in Toronto. Um, we still don't know as of Tuesday evening where exactly they're going to be playing. It seems like uh, most of their home games are gonna be in Pittsburgh. Um, so, and maybe some Baltimore as well. So perhaps it's the, the Pittsmore Blue Jays, the Baltimore Blue Jays. Um, I saw one name thrown around uh, that if they are in Pittsburgh, the PBJs, um, which I thought was quite clever. I wish I remember where I saw that. So um, what do you think this does? And it was uh, talking about it a little bit on the broadcast tonight too, with them sort of being a vagabond travel around team for this year, you know, even only at 60 games, what kind of impact does that have uh, on them on the field? Do you think? I mean, I think that's one of several impacts that they're going to have on the field. I mean, I heard uh, both Thomas Caberlet was on uh, the the station that I work at the uh, today, uh, Sportsnet Five Ninety. The fan you're allowed to say it was on. Yes, I was thinking about that. I'm like, <laughs> are we are we allowed to discuss our affiliations? Yeah, um, you know, Thomas Caberlet was discussing it. I heard uh, somebody else discussing it as well. Oh, I believe it was Ernie Witt actually was saying, you know, what the heck is it going to be like to be playing? whether you're home or away without fans in the stadium. And while I know, of course, that's a huge luxury and by no means am I advocating to let fans into the stadium. But I mean, I think in all sports, whether players admit it or not, it's going to affect them, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in basketball, but baseball. I mean, you know, when you think of the Jose Bautista bat flip, the, the swing of the bat is only part of the moment. The sound of that crowd. I mean, same thing with the Joe Carter home run. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the stuff that not only we live for, but of course the players live for. And of course, even as a visitor, I mean, you know, some guys thrive off the hate that they get or the booze that they get from opposing fans. I mean, so, I mean, that's going to be a huge factor, I think, in every major sport, which I think is why I've kind of been hesitant to get as excited about it because I feel like every sport is kind of tainted in that sense. It's just not going to be the same. But of course, that's one factor. What it's going to be like, for the for the Blue Jays not living in Toronto, I mean, I think it would be one thing if every player lived in Toronto all year mm-hmm. round and this was a shock to them that they're not spending more time here. But I think if they, I mean, the 60-game season is so unprecedented. I, it'll be interesting to see what the split is, like how, how long the homestands and the road trips will be. I haven't really looked deeply into that. Most of them are usually only about seven days. In a normal MLB season, you'd have maybe two or three 10-day road trips and, you know, nine-day homestands kind of thing. But it seems like the longest in either direction is is seven days. So now for them, you know, is it just will they be able to get comfortable enough at home in Pittsburgh for those seven-day stints in Pittsburgh to, to not sort of hamper themselves on the field too much? And again, like I would have to look closely at – you know, Major League Baseball's rules when it comes to each individual team and, you know, whether they have to adhere to their particular state's quarantining rules. I mean, I'm sure there have to be some rules around traveling that as much as they are. But I think, you know, if every team is forced to stay at a hotel, even when they're at home in a, in a form of quarantining. Which I don't think they do. I think I most teams are going to be able to stay at home with their families. So that's another question is, you know, are these guys going to be able to bring their families to stay in Pittsburgh kind of thing. Is it even, is it even worth it considering you're really only going to be there for 
a week at a time, assuming that they, you know, are able to do their entire homestand in, in Pittsburgh. So it's, it's just, it's not something I think that we're really necessarily going to be able to answer. It will, it will, it will depend player to player most likely. Um, but I think it, it could be sort of a neutralizing factor when I thought this was a team that had they been able to play in Toronto was sort of, you know, they're that young upstart team that might surprise in a short season. They don't, have, you know, it, over 162, they'd probably fall off, but in the short spurt, they, they might be able to surprise some people and make a playoff push. And I wonder if, if all of this uncertainty and the, the constant sort of moving around and lack of familiarity as baseball players are very much creatures of habit, um, that, that maybe that sort of undercuts the potential that they had to, to sort of surprise or impress this year. It's possible. And of course, I mean, it could also go in the other direction that they could, you know, rally around this in mm-hmm. a sense. I mean, they are all young guys. This, this seems like the sort of thing that a young group would, you know, try to build off of and say, you know, we're the guys that are being counted out right from the beginning. We don't even mm-hmm. have a home. I mean, it's kind of how the whole Raptors, we, the North movement came about, right. That like, you know, we're disrespected by, mm-hmm. by ESPN, by TNT, you know, we don't get those national games. Uh, you know, we're not taken seriously up here. Players just leave and, you know, look at how good the Raptors have been on the road ever since basically mm-hmm. 2014, 2015, you know, and, and again, that was kind of a, a young group growing together. Like you'd hope that it would be something that these guys would say, all right, let's build off of. And again, I think just as, you know, the, the difficulty of this could neutralize the, the potential around this team. I, I really do think that taking the fans out of the equation, I mean, on the one hand, these guys are going to miss the Rogers Center. They're going to miss Toronto. On the other hand, if they're in Pittsburgh or Baltimore, that's a real grass field. I mean, the potential mm-hmm. of injury potentially goes down. Mm-hmm. And, and let's be honest. I mean, as much as I hate the Orioles, Camden Yards – is one of the most gorgeous stadiums mm-hmm. in baseball and PNC aesthetically the most. Yeah. Aesthetically there, there would be going to two parks that are as probably more so in person. It's difficult to maybe translate as well to TV, but yeah, the most, maybe two of the most aesthetically beautiful places to play a game in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, in that sense, that, that might be a, an advantage to them. I mean, they mm-hmm. might not, they, they might be shocked when they come back to Rogers Center and yeah. say, my goodness, what a freaking dump this is. But and, I mean, and dimensions wise, pretty similar uh, in both. Um, if anything, you know, the, I think the walls in like the left, the left field walls in both are shorter. So you might be able to sneak a few more home runs over both have higher right field walls. Um, and right field is a little bit deeper in Pittsburgh, but the big power hitters on the chase are primarily right-handed. You think about Vlad, Grichuk, Hernandez, even Bichette. Uh, the left, I guess maybe Telez loses a little bit, but man, that guy hits the ball so far that it may not matter which part he's playing in, but maybe a guy like Biggio loses a couple of home runs or um, Derek Fisher as well. But um, yeah, I, it's it, it will be fascinating to watch because you – I feel like you could make an argument in either direction about how this will, will help or hinder. I think, as you mentioned, them being a young team will, um, it'll, it'll help more so than if they were a more veteran team. If you look like a, at a team like potentially the Yankees. Um, but speaking of the Yankees, I, I keep having this thought over the last couple of days that it seems like MLB has been very hands-off in all of this. Um, and it feels like because it's happening to the Blue Jays, they're fine with it because it's the Blue Jays. And I wonder if something were to have happened that the Yankees wouldn't have been able to play at Yankee Stadium all season. Uh, if some more um, work would be done on a league level, it seems like 
Manfred and the MLB has just been, you guys figure it out and we'll give the rubber stamp when, when you come up with a plan. Um, whereas I feel like if it was a more high profile team, they, they'd probably be rolling their sleeves up to help out a little bit more. I, I didn't even think of that. And that is a great point. I mean, I, I do wonder how much of it is within their control. I mean, they probably have a lot better connections to the U S government, or at least the bureaucracy around it. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe, I mean, I, I do know that the current president certainly has wanted to get things going again. So I'm sure he was in favor of any sort of proposal from Rob Manfred to get baseball going. Uh, of course, I don't have that, that proof in front of me, but again, I think that's a pretty fair assumption. Whereas, you know, for reasons we've discussed, whether or not the Trudeau government wanted the optics of baseball coming here, I would have to imagine Rob Manfred doesn't have the same sort of power to, oh, yeah. especially, especially as somebody with uh, ties to Quebec, which, uh, you know, are still uh, pretty angry about the Expos department. Yeah, oh. they probably have to strike a deal out if the Blue Jays get to play here. The Expos have to come back too. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about the base, the, the actual baseball a little bit. Um, we were discussing earlier this afternoon, and he's the topic du jour, especially because he started on Tuesday night. Uh, Nate Pearson first inning didn't go great, giving up four runs, uh, including a big three-run home run. Um, you and I were arguing, uh, or not sort of arguing, we were making the point four and seemingly on the same side of uh, start them right away. Don't wait for that uh, one week to expire and gain the extra year of, of club control by manipulating the service time. Start them game three, Sunday afternoon at Tropicana Field. Um, would you do that? Or are we on the same page that you would start them right away and say, screw it, forget that year of control and we want to see them right away? So, I mean, I, I think I, I've heard it argued by, by people a lot smarter than me and, and that are a lot more connected than me that just, you know, I, I think everybody from a, from a writing perspective, from a fan perspective, um, obviously from a player perspective, would love to see the best players on the team actually make the team by merit. Mm -hmm. You know, if a guy comes out of nowhere and has a strong camp, you know, it would be great if the team wasn't afraid to manipulate their service time. I think it's, it's, it's tough to blame teams for, for taking advantage of such an oversight that the league stuck into the rules. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the but something we should also add may change with the next CBA. Exactly. Now, I don't know if it will be some type of grandfathering system, but the CBA expires at the end of the 2021 season, and this may all be for naught. Yeah, and that's like... It goes right back to, I mean, we keep looking back to the 2015-2016 season and, and, you know, I did actually read an article in the, the Toronto Star decided to publish just to rub it in our faces that Josh Donaldson is a Minnesota twin now. So, hey, he's back in the AL with the team with the most home runs in the league last year. So have fun with that. Um, but yeah, we I don't got to play him. No, as much until the no, playoffs. No, not at all this year. Well, sure. Playoffs. We'll face him in the wild card game. Exactly. Uh, and they'll, they'll be the wild card. The Blue Jays will be the division winner, but uh, yeah. the best team in baseball. No, but, uh, you know, it goes back to the way that they handled his contract situation. And it, even a guy like Marcus Stroman, but Donaldson's situation was so egregious mm -hmm. that they were able to take advantage of the fact that, you know, he was a kind of late breakout guy who got called up in his mid-20s with Oakland and I believe was in his, what, third year basically uh, as yeah. a major league he was player. still in arbitration eligibility yeah. after he won the mvp well in fact if i'm not mistaken was he not even in arbitration eligibility at that point i think they just gave him the lowest amount that they needed to give him 
No, or was that was, no? That was Sanchez. That was Sanchez after he won the ERA title in 2016, which was just as disgusting. Yeah. And I mean, that's a situation where. Although at the time, it's it's a situation where at the time we were saying sign him to a five year deal, and uh, this will have been the fourth year of that deal if they had signed him to a longer term deal at this point he has since already been traded and uh, needed some kind of extensive shoulder surgery uh, at the end of last season and is currently not employed by any club so uh, this would also be the fifth year of a uh, big five-year Jose Bautista extension that he was clamoring for 30 million um, a year yeah at the conclusion of the 15 season I guess it would have been right but maybe after the playoff year Maybe he'd be the closer if they were able to trade Giles last year. I mean, you you just don't know at this point. It, I, I anything think could happen. It's it's me sort of playing devil's advocate in that we all all the time are saying, give these guys the money, sign them to all these deals. And those are just two examples of if they had done a long-term deal like many wanted them to do, they are both deals that would have looked very bad right now. But I'm saying there's something in the middle. I mean, yes, the, the Bautista You're right. example, of course, $30 million, but like – you could have given Aaron Sanchez, you know, what the NHL calls that bridge deal, right? You mm-hmm. could have given him a two-year, a three-year, mm-hmm. and maybe instead of giving him the exact minimum of what you needed to give him, what was it? A few, like, wasn't it less than a million dollars? He was making he less than a million dollars after that, yeah. I, I think, think the problem with that there, though, goes into he still would have not been free agent eligible yet. And just the way the CBA is structured is that your next contract is sort of at a percentage of the a percentage increase of the previous one and they would have essentially needed to have bought out free agent years and that would have required making a yeah five-year deal to buy out at least one free agent year we're off the point here in that it's it's a broken system they could easily get away from this Pearson conversation by signing him to a long-term deal the White Sox and the Padres and other clubs have done that with some of their stars and signed them to big long six-year contract extension before the guy even gets to the MLB Eloy Jimenez last year, um, Fernando Tetis Jr. last year with Padres. Um, it's what a lot of people wanted the Jays to do with Vlad before he got uh, called up. I'd be more comfortable doing that with a position player than with a pitcher. I wouldn't necessarily give Nate Pearson a six-year contract extension before he throws a pitch because he could throw in his arm tonight. And it's, you know, almost <laughs> useless. Uh, let's, let's not get into that. But um, no. so, so let's circle back. Would you, flawed system aside... Would you just say, screw it, every game is important this year. We're shifting Vladdy to first base because we're in win-now mode. One win might be the difference between making or missing the playoffs, and we should have the best team available at the start of the season. So we're starting Nate Pearson once in the first time through the rotation. Would you do it? When you put it like that, yes. I think Okay, because I would too. Yes. Although I mean, it's... his four innings tonight may making me second-guess myself. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think an extra 10 days not on the roster. Especially when there's no game to to pitch in. Exactly. You can't send him down to to single A or to triple A or to whatever to to season himself or to get his arm strength up or to stretch Montreal chicken spice? There you go. Send him over. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, yeah, when you frame it like that, I mean, yes, it's a 60-game season. It's unprecedented. I. Yeah, you want the best team to be out there. Every single game matters. And yes, if you do have a strong start, if you happen to have one of those flukish winning streaks that we've seen, you know, kind of inferior Jays teams from the late 2000s, early 2010s. The 2013 last place should have won the World Series, but finished in last awful Blue Jays team, won 11 games in a row. 
but they had that horrible start. And everybody said, well, that's I'm, not going to matter. I'm furthering your yeah, point. The 11, that, that team was exactly. not very good and won 11 games in a row. But I think back to, I think it was the 2010 team, which was just, you know, John Buck was the starting catcher. You had just traded Roy Halladay. I think the, the rotation was being honed by like Sean Markham and, and Ricky Romero, whatever that group was. And they got off to something like a 27 and 12 start. I mean, if you can do that in a 60 game season, as much as everybody says, you know, in a 162 game season, you know, the start doesn't matter. April doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, everybody said that in 2013 when we were trying to convince ourselves that April didn't matter, but you know, the Red Sox had that horrible start. I didn't see them do anything. You know, what Mm -hmm. was that last year, the year before Uh, I've lost track of time completely through, uh, through time is irrelevant. Yeah. But I think that that strong start does matter. And if the team is motivated, if somebody like Nate Pearson is motivated to, you know, prove himself right off the bat, get, I mean, I, he's obviously not getting the opening day start. We know who Jin Ryu is, but you know, you putting him in that rotation does something for his confidence and it sends a message to the team that you're not trying to nickel and dime everybody. Mm-hmm. which, you know, Bo Bichette already commented on last year before they finally called him up um, because there was talk that they were going to wait until this year. Good thing they didn't. Uh, <laughs> but or, or maybe not. I mean, you know, did you want to start him at all when all of this is going on? But, um, yeah, I think it, it sends a good message to the players and, and really to players all around baseball that you're willing to put the best team on the field and that a guy is willing to earn or is is – capable of earning his way onto a team, even if it's not meant to be in Mm -hmm. a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Having said that shame on the league for having that system in place and giving, making it so that teams would potentially bite themselves come, you know, the time that that extra year happens and the player is a star and they wind up leaving for free agency and the team is just on the cusp. Having said that, how often does that actually happen? Like how many times have we seen that specifically happen where a player, you know, a, a, a team neglected to get to take advantage of that extra year of service time. And then they just happen to have everything screw up because the player left in yeah. free agency after that sixth year. It's never happened. It's, if everything, if everything else is in place, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll be able to sign them or you should be able to pay them. Um, yeah. I should interject. Uh, Ryan Barucki just gave up a two run home run. So he is also awful. All the pitchers suck. Yeah, everybody sucks. And, uh, <laughs> it has it has nothing to do with the fact that like this is the first time the Blue Jays have like seen another team. Yeah, since March. March. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> um, all right. So uh, next quick topic. I think we're in agreement on Pearson. Um, Vlad moving to first, yay or nay? Are you okay with them having essentially given up on him as a third baseman after one season? Again, I mean, it uh, it seems like I, I'm trying to become a. a athlete psychologist in my spare time because I keep trying to get into the heads of these guys that I've never spoken to in my life. But, you know, based on what Vlad was saying, even just a few months ago or a year ago, you know, when he said he was committed to playing third base, um, you hope that this decision was made in consultation with him and that this is something that he is okay with, or Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd hope happy with, but, you know, you hope it's a load off his that was you hope it's a load off his back and not you know something that they're forcing upon him um you know maybe when he said he was committed to third base he was just trying to say the right things to the right people and and put Mm -hmm. a good good face on it um but it does seem 
awfully early. Like, what is he, 21? And, and you're already yeah. deciding that he's not going to play the position that you committed him to for the last several years. It just, it seems rash. And, and I wonder if it's something that they would potentially revisit. I mean, you know, hypothetically uh, in two seasons, he, he loses a bunch of weight. I mean, again, 21 is, I, I, I still, I, and I feel like we spoke about this in our last episode 15 months ago. We don't quite fathom, like just because Ronald Acuna and uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and, you know, these, these other players on other teams have had these amazing starts as, you know, teenagers and 20-year-olds and whatnot, doesn't mean that that's normal in any way, shape, or form. And, and Vlad has obviously had a meteoric or had a meteoric rise through the system. But this is far from a complete, I mean, player, let alone person. Uh, you know, in five years from now, I mean, he's going to be the oldest 25 year old that we've ever seen since Greg Oden, probably, uh, basketball reference there. Sorry. I got it. Sorry for, no, of course for you, you, you <laughs> get it, but I don't know if all of our viewers or listeners, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you never know what if he does figure out a way to still maintain power while losing, you know, some of his weight and, but maybe having the weight is the best thing for him. I, I am again, not a medical professional. Um, it seems early for me, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in the, in years moving forward and seasons moving forward. I just hope he's happy with the move. It seems like he is. And if this is what's going to unlock him as, this be- as the best hitter that he can be sort of like Edwin Encarnacion, I'm all for it. Um, I think they made a look. They might have looked at him and, and said, "You know, this is this is probably as good as you're going to get as third baseman. Um, maybe the gains that you will make are um, maybe they will be there, but probably not substantial enough to to warrant you sort of playing that premium defensive um, position." And and they figure they can be a better team with somebody else playing at third base. The only person I can think of who went from any other position to first base and then off first base again. Um, in any full-time capacity would be Miguel Cabrera. He was, you know, sort of a third baseman outfielder with the Marlins. Then he went to the Tigers and he was a third baseman when they had, um, I guess, Victor Martinez was playing some first base. Was it Mags uh, Ordonez? They had, no, no not Ordonez. There was uh, Jose Guillen, I think, was playing some first base. And then they signed Prince Fielder. Or, sorry, Cabrera went to play first base. Then they signed Prince Fielder and he went back to third. And then Fielder kind of got older and became more of a DH. and Or maybe it was when he, they traded him to the Rangers. Um, and Cabrera went back to first base again. Um, I, I don't have his defensive numbers in front of me, how well he did in that one season back at third base. But that's the only one I can think of. Um, and I think he was a bit of a better athlete than Vlad. And it, I think Vlad may have just said, I kind of just want to hit. And if this is what's going to make – like, he was not as good a hitter last year as we all think he can be. And if him playing first base is what's going to get him to be that premier power hitter, that potential MVP with the bat, I'm all for it, especially this year. Like, they've like that move also signaled to me that this is not necessarily another developmental year. Now, 2021 might be, although they were kind of eyeing 2021 as maybe a return to contention. Um, but now with this shortened season, they're just kind of saying, screw it, let's, let's try and make the playoffs. And, and having Vlad commit 15 errors in 60 games, probably a bit much. I think he made 17 in like whatever it was, 90 games last year, 100 games. Um, so, but if he makes 10 errors in 60 games, like I, I think they can figure something out, something better than I, I, Travis Shaw is not the long-term answer, but it does seem like they maybe do have the long-term answer somewhere in the system, whether, whether it's 
you know, this year's first round pick Austin Martin or Jordan Groshans, who's, you know, a shortstop right now, but might be a third baseman. Um, I think they'll be fine at third base in the long term. Maybe, you know, it's Shaw this year, somebody else next year, then Groshans in 2022 um, or something along those lines. And um, I, I'm, I'm totally, totally fine with it. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap things up a little bit. We'll ease ourselves back in our first episode in 15 months. Um, just your general, I guess, thoughts of what you think this team could do this year. I'm pretty bullish on the offense um, and surprisingly a little bullish on the bullpen, but maybe oddly enough, the starting rotation, you know, not totally sure about Tanner Rourke. Uh, I think Pearson's going to be really good tonight aside, um, but Ryu's got the health issues. Shoemaker has had some health issues before, and, but he looked good other than that. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe the starting rotation is the biggest question mark, which may be a little weird. I almost feel like that's every season, though. I mean, uh, with almost every team. Like, nowadays, with all these hard throwers and, you know, Tommy John surgeries, it, it sucks to see for, for these guys' careers. But it really does seem like every single season, every team, you know, is like, well, this rotation could be great if nobody gets hurt or if, you know, so-and-so yeah. doesn't get hurt. And then you watch everybody get hurt and you see, you know, the Blue Jays of last year, just, I mean, not even fill a five-man rotation most nights, but I mean, that's yeah. what excites me. They went a good chunk of the season with a two-man rotation. Yeah. And I mean, that's what excites me the most about this season is that even though a lot of those guys are question marks, they've actually got more than five guys who yeah. potentially could, should start a game. Forget could start a game. I mean, what's nice is I haven't heard any mention of the word opener mm-hmm. uh, in, in several months. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to see it. But, I mean, again, anything that may be could happen this year. That of emergency kind of thing. Oh, I hope so. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, you've still got Tampa Bay existing. Oh, they're so. still going to do it. I just – I don't think the Jays will do it at all this year. Or, like, if they do, it, it, it will be sort of an emergency situation. Again, I, I hope not. I hope it's not done in any sort of strategical thing. Because, again, yeah. as a – you know, whether or not it's analytically the thing to do, I just, I think we talked about this before. I'm just not a fan of it in any way, shape or form. So mm-hmm. that, that excites me in that sense. And really, I mean, you've got a bunch of guys, you've got a guy like Ryu who yes, has injury issues, but in a shortened season, you hope that he can stay healthy for what, 12 starts or how 10, 10 to. Yeah. Th- it's pretty much probably only be 11 yeah, or 12. That's really it. So, you know, you hope he can make at least 10, and that seems to be reasonable to me. You hope Ryan Barucki is healthy. Matt Shoemaker, it was just devastating what happened to him last year, especially mm-hmm. given the start that he had. Um, Tanner Roark, it, to me, just serves as an innings eater, which I just haven't really seen them have in the last few years, really, ever since, like, you know, the, the glory Estrada, probably. Estrada, Hap. Yeah. Even Estrada would kind of fade out after six innings most days. So, I mean, just to have a guy who can eat up some innings, put up a 4, 4.5 ERA, sounds a lot better than having relievers start, you know, a third of the game or a you know, quarter of the games or whatever the heck it was last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Chase Anderson waiting in the wings, who isn't the sexiest name. Sorry, I broke out that word on this podcast. But, you know, he's had a couple decent seasons over the last five years. And if he can figure something out in a shortened season, put up five good starts – I mean, that, that's a good safety blanket. And, of course, you know, with Nate Pearson, it, it could potentially be stardom or he could potentially not do so well this year, and that's okay because he's never pitched in the majors before. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of question marks, but I think definitely you've got some very interesting depth on your offense. I mean, 
we talked about that catching tandem, and we won't talk about uh, Reese McGuire's activities off the baseball field. Dollar Tree uh, enthusiast. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, you know him and, and Danny Jansen are a very exciting catching tandem, a young catching tandem who you know one's right-handed, one's left-handed. You always like to see that. Um, obviously, Vlad potentially in an Edwin situation. Did I just see? Yeah, Rowdy Tellez going Oppo bomb. Oppo Taco. I was like I that wrong. Just left of center. There we go. That was a that was a, a big shot. I mean, and he's a very intriguing player too. He I has think... been like just there's yeah, an expression I'm not going to use, but he <laughs> has been hitting the ball very hard. Let's put it that way. He's been hitting the ball very hard in yeah. in summer camp. Yeah, and it's, yeah, I mean it's literally what it's been. Summer camp but, brought to you uh, by Camping World. Yes. I like it. Um, yeah, like it, it. Obviously, you've got some of the most intriguing young players all around the diamond, and, mm -hmm. and you know a lot of guys that are fighting for spots. That again, in a shortened season, I know we've said that a million times, but you know these are all guys that are trying to prove themselves, not just for this year, but but in years moving forward. A guy like Billy McKinney, who we've seen flashes mm -hmm. of decent things from Derek Fisher. You know he's uh, left-handed and versatile. I remember. Yeah. Versatile. Uh, Pat Tablerism. Yeah, you know when he's he, not when he's not failing to catch the ball and hitting having it hit him in his own eye. That's right, or striking out incessantly on the same uh, night that Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini combined for a no hitter for the Astros. Like you couldn't write. You can't it make that stuff up. You can't no. make it up. No. You, if you did, we'd call BS. But I almost respect the guy for having a sense of humor about it afterwards. <laughs> Like, honestly, I mean, at least he has some humility. So, and, and that was also what I loved about Joe Biagini, as you mentioned. Him. But oh, yeah. Missed that guy. But, yeah, yeah um, it, it's a very interesting team. And, yeah, the bullpen. I mean, I, I love that they've kept Ken Giles. Um, yeah. And I kind of hope they sign him long term. Although, yeah, there's giving there's, money to a closer, like, considering how easy it was to find Osuna before him and then to find Giles. Like, Giles wasn't even in the in, – MLB. He was in AAA because he had, he had sucked so much with Houston, and he was just kind of a throw-in in that trade. And Osuna was not a guy who was supposed to be. Yeah, you talk about hitting yourself in the face. Osuna was not a guy who was supposed to be a closer, and I don't even remember who their closer was before that. But it just it seems like sometimes it's, they just kind of fall into your lap. Is it Sergio Santos? Yeah, no. he was probably in there for a little bit. Yeah, um, Casey. Oh, uh, Casey Jansen. Yeah, Casey, it was a Casey oh. Jansen, 2014 season. I miss Casey Jansen. Who knows what happens if he doesn't go on vacation at the All-Star break and get food poisoning. Yeah, well, and not only Part that. Part of the demise of the 2014 team. Well, that and uh, him and uh, Joey Bats coming back and complaining that yeah, uh, not happy. the double-A didn't make any moves, which I, yeah. I still maintain. I mean, I didn't know about the food poisoning, or at least I forgot about it. But... Yeah, he, dro he dropped like 12 pounds on the All-Star break because he got food poisoning. And if you look at his stats after the All-Star break, he had like a six ERA. Whereas before the All-Star break, it was like in the twos, I think, and it was almost perfect in save situations. Like, yeah. I, I, he's not the reason they didn't make the playoffs, but it, he contributed some losses along the way by not being able to perform the way he had. Um, that was the Juan right. Francisco season, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, Johnny McFrank. Um, <laughs> Johnny McFrank. That's a vintage Jays Buck. Wow. Uh, shout out. Um, yeah. All right, so we're bullish on the offense. Questions around the pitching staff which we've, we've had before. I feel like that's how we felt in 2016, and then they had the best pitching staff in the majors. Um, do you think they can make the playoffs? 
it feels like it's so hard to prognosticate that this year because we don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic among everything else. Um, so yeah, forecasting in sports is a little more difficult this year in weather. No difference. That's true. Um, well, that's one of the I changes that we haven't referenced yet. <laughs> um, all right, really quickly. Do you think they can make the playoffs in the 60 game season? I mean, in a word, yes. Because yeah. yes, anything could happen. And if they have a hot start and I mean, again, like we've talked about how, and I, I'm pretty sure I say this every season, but I mean, injuries can upend the best of teams. Mm-hmm. And we were talking earlier today uh, before we started recording that, uh, I mean, look at how the, the Red Sox rotation is, uh, you were saying Eduardo Rodriguez and Martin Perez at the top of it. Yeah. And Nate Uvalde and Rodriguez not Uvalde. even starting because he had COVID. So he's yeah. going to miss probably the first week or two. So, I mean, you, Anything well, could happen. Kidman started tonight didn't look terrible, but no, whoever he was, but I, you know, Weber, season. Weber, yeah, not Ben Weber from the uh, 2002 Angels. There's a reference, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, really, anything could happen. They could have a hot start. Injuries could upend another team. Unfortunately, injuries could also upend this team. But you'd mm-hmm. hope that that doesn't happen. And and of course, I, this is something that I don't think enough fans really talk about is that you really do wish for health for every single player because you want to see the best on best every mm-hmm. single night. But of course the reality is that just doesn't happen. And, and unfortunately with, with this pandemic, um, you know, now physical, in, you know, let's say game related injuries are not the only thing on the table. So mm-hmm. you just hope for the best for, for everybody um, in the league, also outside the league. And, yes. uh, and of course, in that vein, um, you hope the Blue Jays stay healthy, and if they do, and if things go very interestingly, of course they could make the playoffs, and especially with the second wild card, it, there's definitely a possibility. But uh, you know, a lot of things are, are going to have to come together. You're mm-hmm. gonna really have to hope for, you know, no sophomore slump from a guy like Bichette, from a guy like Guerrero, even though he didn't have the season he was looking for last year. Um, Kevin Biggio definitely struggled at periods last year and we know that hey here's our buddy Kevin Pillar sorry oh boy let me see him oh that looks very weird it looks weird very odd also why are they wearing their names on their backs at home that never happens with Boston it must be their um yeah it's their spring training training thing yeah very odd the red or maybe the the red jerseys always have it I don't remember no they don't weird the Red Sox have the names on their jerseys and the Blue Jays don't (laughs) yeah it's it's backwards. They're just getting used to not playing at home. They're mixing things up yeah. this year. It's it's good to see. Um, yes, I, I do think they can make the playoffs, but obviously it's it's going to take a lot of factors that are uh, probably not being predicted by uh, experts. Yeah. Let's say. All right, let's wrap it up because I have no idea if the Zoom is going to cut off at any time. I thought it was only going to be forty or forty-five minutes, and we are now at fifty-two, so we're living on the edge. I think it cuts off if you have more than a certain number of people. Oh, maybe that's it. I think it might have been, you know what? It might have been for three or more people. Yeah. Uh, Now that makes sense. All right. Uh, I think it's probably a good time to uh, call it a night. Anyway, you and I both have, uh, well, I assume your little guy is sleeping. Oh, yes. Um, Mine is is not yet, but uh, thankfully mom's on duty right now. Um, But I should go help out just in case uh, there is any assistance that is needed. Um, So you're on. 680 all the time now you're the face of the station oh yes uh put me on the bus no uh please don't do that um it's interesting i i'm i'm 
certainly far from the face of the station, but I'm there very often. So uh, you can hear me pr most consistently. You can listen on weekend mornings. Um, okay. I, I anchor the uh, the morning, the 6 a.m. till the noon uh, shift. And then during the week, I, I can potentially be on any time of day on any position. I reported last night. I was on Sportsnet 590 today. I'm back reporting nice. tomorrow. Anchoring on the weekend, it's uh, it's it's keeping busy. Yes, nice. Yeah. All right. So Asher is on your radio. I'm occasionally on your television on the Weather Network, um, and that also occasionally also means CBC News Network. So don't be alarmed. Um, I will be telling you what the weather is, and I am always right, um, and that's not a guarantee. Um, and I literally it's not my forecast. It's I'm uh, I'm literally just the messenger. And I literally um, brag to everybody around me every time I look up and see you on the newsroom TV. And uh, a lot of them are confused, but I will keep telling them until they finally understand. <laughs> uh, no, no, we went to school. We went to school. It's, it's fun. No, and we listen to what? You don't subscribe to our podcast? Sorry. Uh, yeah, this is the first podcast we've done since then. So yes. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. And also, we'll, congratulations on uh, on fatherhood. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we'll that we'll save that for. Uh, we had enough baseball stuff to get through today. We'll we'll save that for next time, and maybe we do more than two episodes this season. Yep. Let's see. I'm down. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see how this team starts. I, I'm if they if they get off to that patented 2010, 27, and 13 start, um, anything can happen, and then we will put together a podcast. Yeah. And I say we do it even if that doesn't happen. Yeah, we'll try. But, uh, you know, life may get in the way. So uh, exactly. if you don't, don't be angry. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you are not already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I think. I know it's on iTunes and Google Play. Google Play. I can't say. Spotify. I can't say. I don't think it's on Spotify. No. Um, I cannot say wherever. You, yes, actually, that's a good point. Not wherever you get your podcasts because Spotify has podcasts. So not on Spotify. But iTunes and Google Play. Uh, it may automatically feed into some of the other ones as well. Um, if you'd like, if it's not on something that you're looking at for, let me know, uh, and I'll do my best. Uh, I'm on Twitter at the Nick D I underscore, and I see Asher is the Asher because there is no other Asher of importance. This has been the Something Stretch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, watching. Uh, go Blue Jays.